How many of us can agree that there's been a, a shift in our world and a shift in our nation here recently within the last few years? These last few years, the world has tried to take our identity. The devil tries to take our, our praise and tries to take our worship and tries to take our joy. There's a giant shift. We struggle to find our identity. We can't find the identity that we have in Jesus Christ. The way Pastor was speaking this morning, we forget who we are. We forget who we are and, and we come to this place where, where we go to schools and, 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 and our children are being flooded with all of this stuff and our children are being told that it's okay to 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 have questions about your gender identity and it's it's okay to have gender fluidity and it's okay to do this and it's okay to do that and and they're they're changing everything and they take prayer out of church and we struggle church we hurt we wail because parents we watch as as your children are are losing their battle to mental illness and we see as our as your children are are losing their battles to to the world and they're going out and they're trying these new things and 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 i have never seen suicide so big as it is now as very as many of you know i i am a police officer i work in the city of douglasville uh, where we're from um and we have a code specifically for suicide nothing else it's just a suicide attempt. And in the state of Georgia, we have no obligation to keep somebody from taking their own life. As long as they're not hurting anybody else, we have no obligation to keep them from taking their own life. Their identity has been attacked. Who they are has been attacked. Who we are, who the church is, has been attacked. And as time goes on, we only get further and further away from the promises and, and the plans that God has for not only ourselves, but also our, our churches and, and, and our nation. If you all will turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. And we'll be reading out of uh, verses 1 through 3 to begin with. And y'all don't have to stand. You're, you're more than welcome to, to sit and just follow along with me. 1 Samuel 30 and 1 reads, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and, spit, and smitten Ziklag and burned with fire. Verse 2 reads, And had taken the women captive and, their, and were with therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went their way. In verse 3 reads, so David and his men came to the city and behold, and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. You can all be seated. David comes home and he's been at war. He's been fighting. He comes home and all of his, his two wives and children and everybody's been taken and his, his home is burned to the ground. And all the hard work and all, all the labor and everything, the blood, sweat, and tears that he and his men and the Israelites have put into Ziklag is, is, is burned. It's gone. And I can imagine the pain and the sorrow. But you see, this isn't the first time that the Israelites had an encounter with the Amalekites. King Saul had an encounter with the Amalekites, and King Saul was given a very clear direction on how to handle and what to do with the Amalekites. And if we turn to chapter 15, 1 Samuel chapter 15, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 9. And 
I'm sorry if I move very fast. I'm just, I don't know. I just move fast sometimes. So just try to keep up with me and, and the best we can, and we'll keep pushing, okay? And then chapter 15 and verse 1 says, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Verse 2 reads, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which the Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way, and he came up from Egypt. Verse 3, Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both men and women, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Verse 4 reads, And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in to, to lame. Probably butchered that, I'm sorry. 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. Going on to verse 5. Then, and Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. Verse 6, And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. We move on to verse 7. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur. And it is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. And verse 9 is a verse that I want to focus on a little bit more. And it says, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatling, and the lambs, and that was all that was good that would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse that they destroy utterly. Saul was given a clear direction by the Lord. He was told to destroy, he was told to kill, he was told to slay everything. Not a single thing to stay alive. Everything goes, is gone. But Saul comes up to Agag, and he has an encounter, and for whatever reason, Saul says, you know what, I'm going to keep you alive. And all the good that I feel is good, I'm going to keep. Not what God feels is good, what I feel is good. I'm going to let my mind take over. I'm going to let my heart do what I want to do, because you know what, my mind is better than God's, apparently. For whatever reason, Saul had that cross his mind, but it's not so he spares all of this, and, 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 and we go through our life, and, and we look at this, and you know what, Pastor? I, I come to church on Sunday and Wednesday. I come to church, and I'm at the front, and I'm dancing, and I'm singing with the choir. But I'm still over here on Instagram, and I'm on TikTok, filling my mind with all this nonsense. See, God told us in the Word, he said, for us to kill our flesh daily. But I'm only going to kill what I want to kill. I'm not going to kill everything. I'm not going to kill it all. I'm going to kill what I want to kill because what I want is better and bigger than what God wants. And we move on to 1 Samuel 30 and verses 4 through 8. Then David and the people that were with him lifted their voice and wept until they had no power, no more power to weep. And David said, unto, said to Abiathar, the priest, uh, Abimelech, Ahimelech, sorry, 
son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought uh, thither the ephod to David. And verse 8 says, And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop the Amalekites? And shall I overtake them? And he, the Lord, answered him, David, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. And with that being said, the, the title of this sermon is, This Means War. Church, we're at war with the world. Church, we're at war with the devil. Church, we're at war with bondage. Church, we're at war with everything that comes around us. All of these things in our churches or in our schools, excuse me, that are trying to change our mind. All these TV shows, all of these movies, all of these songs. When you've got people showing up and they want to dress as cats and dogs, come on. That is not of the Lord. He made a man and a woman. Sorry, that's just, I got a little tangent there. My bad. Excuse me. But we're at war, church. The Bible says that David and his men all grieved at the loss that they were feeling. They sat, they wept, they cried over everything that had been taken away from them. Everything. They cried until they couldn't cry anymore. Now, church, don't get me wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you praying privately, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with you praying without ceasing, and there's nothing wrong with you wailing and crying and interceding for those that are lost. But we've got to come to a point where we look at God and we say, God, can I pursue? Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, the Lord's going to tell you yes. Because he gave you a promise. Yeah. He gave you a calling. Yeah. He gave you a will. He's got a will for every single one of us. He's got promises for our church. He's got promises for us individually. He has got things that he is trying to do in this place. He is trying to do things through our church, through our people, through our youth group, through our children. And we can't stand idle. And watch the world take them away from us. So then it says that David takes and he seeks the blessing of the Lord, which he gets. And he asks, and, he, and the Lord says, uh, Pursue, for that shall surely overtake them without failing, recover all. And we go and we start reading. Uh, Verses 9 through 10, and it says, So David went, he and 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, and those that were left behind stayed, but David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 men abode behind, uh, which were so faint they could not go over the brook Besor. We take our church, we take our people, and we start fighting, and we're pushing, and we're trying to do all these things, but we're all in different levels starting from our infancy and our walk with God to years and years and years of, of wisdom and understanding and, 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 and clarifying and clarity in the word of God. And not everybody can make it. So out of his 600, David takes 400 and they continue forward and they go to, to, to go to war with Amalek or the Amalekites. And I can only imagine in David's mind, even though he's a very, he's a man full of faith and he's a man after God's own heart, he can only imagine the, the doubt that he might have felt. Or, or the fear that he might have felt, you know what, I'm going to fight this whole army, and I only got 400 men. But he says he takes his 400 men, and they push forward, and they go. And then we re reach 1 Samuel 30, verse 16. 
We're going to skip ahead a little bit from where we were at verse 10 and jump to verse 16. And it says, and when he had bought, brought them down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because all of the great spoil they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 men, young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And it says, and David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil, nor anything that they had taken unto them. David recovered all. In verse 20, and David took all the flocks and the herds which they which they drave before those other cattle and said, this is David's spoil. David fights alongside these men and they recover everything that's theirs. The Bible says that they fought from twilight, and I'm pretty sure the Bible doesn't mean the movie. Um, but I got a little curious, so I looked it up. What does twilight mean? I'm a little, you know, I'm a very curious person. Praise God. <laughs> And the, de- the definition of twilight is the soft glowing of light from the sky when the sun is beyond the horizon, caused by the refraction and scattering of the sun's rays from the atmosphere. So, to me, I understood that as pretty much right at sunset. So, the Bible says that David and his 400 men, is, they fought from sunset to the evening of the next day. So, they fought all night long. And I can only imagine the exhaustion and, the, and, and, and everything, but they, they held their ground because there's a promise. Because there's something that belongs to David. And David's going to take back what's his. Ain't nobody taking what belongs to him. Ain't nobody taking what belongs to me. Ain't nobody taking what belongs to this church. So David fights. And they regain everything. And they fight all night long. And and, and David fought with the Amalekites all day and night. And then the evening came. And him and along with his 400 stood their ground. And fought all. and, And then they recovered everything without fail. They recovered everything they had and so much more. And you know what, church? I'm going to stand because there comes a point when I've got to get, got to get a little bit frustrated. I start to get a little bit mad. Because you know what, pastor? My promise that I felt was right around the corner all of a sudden feels like it's 100 miles away. And that calling that I thought that I was stepping into, all of a sudden it feels like I can't step into it anymore. Because the devil's attacking and he's trying to take what belongs to me. And, and things are getting a little bit difficult. And it's getting a little bit hard for, for, for me to, to fulfill the promises that God has. And it's getting a little hard for, for me to step into this calling and step into this ministry. But you know what? I'm going to stand and I'm going to fight and I'm going to say, you know what, devil? This means war. This means war, devil. I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my life. I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my family. I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my church. You know what, church? Our prodigals are going to come home. These boys, these girls, our children, our loved ones, our family members, they're coming home. We're not giving up until we stand up and we say, you know what, devil? I'm going to war. I'm going to stand with my pastor and I'm going to say, pastor, I'm going to war. I'm going to war for myself. I'm going to war for my church. I'm going to war for my people. I'm not going to give up. 
I'm going to hold my ground. There is nothing that the devil can do to take away what belongs to me. Devil, this means war. I plead the blood. I plead the blood over my family. I plead the blood over cancer. I plead the blood over thyroid issues. I plead the blood over illness. I plead the blood over it all. Miracles, signs, and wonders are coming. Not because God only wants them to come, but because I am pleading the blood of Jesus Christ over these miracles. I am pleading the blood. I am standing and I am fighting the devil and I am going to war and I will not stop until I see our people come home. I will not stop until there is healing. I will not stop until there are miracles and signs and wonders in our church. Devil, this means war. I will not forget who I am. I will not forget my identity in Christ. I am a child of God and that what God gives me, no man shall take away. We push forward to 1 Samuel 30, verses 21 through 26. It says, and David came unto the 200 men which were so faint and they could not follow David whom they had beside or whom they had said made also to abide by the, at the brook of Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near and the people, he saluted them. Verse 22, then answered all the wicked men and, and men of uh, Belial of those that went with David and said, because they went not with us. We will not give them aught of the soil or of the spoil that we have recovered. Save to every man his wife and his children that they may lead away them away and depart. Verse 23 says, Then said David, You shall not do so, my brethren. With all that which the Lord, or with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hands into our hand for all who will hearken unto you in this matter but as, but as his part it is that goeth down to the battle that so shall all, his part be that tarrieth by the stuff they shall part alike verse 25 and, and it was so from that day forward that he made its statue and an ordinance in Israel unto this day. And David came to Ziklag, he sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, uh, even to his friends, saying, Behold, a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. David fought. He conquered, he won, he took what was his, and, and then some. And these negative Men that were with him, which we all have, they're everywhere. You can't get rid of them. I've tried. Trust me. Um, there's always somebody negative around. And they tell David, you know what, David? Bro, 
I was fighting with you. But uh, Stephen was too weak, and he stayed by a river. Why am I going to give Stephen any of the spoil when I'm the one that fought for it? He ain't taking nobody's life. I did. But David stands up and he says, nope. We're going to give Stephen not only what belongs to him, but we're going to give him of the spoil. And you know what, church? We get to a point where we're like, man, God, I've been fighting God, and I got what was mine, and I got what belongs to me, but I'm not going to rejoice with nobody else but myself. Huh? Don't nobody else get to reap the benefits of all the stuff that I just did. And David says, ha, you're funny. No. Because David realized that what was taken back was not his. It was not property of his men. It was property of the nation of Israel. My victory and my rejoicing in my promise is not mine. My rejoicing in this victory and in these promises are the Lord's. And we are the church of the Lord. So my rejoicing and my joy and my victories from my spoils of my battle and my war, I'm going to say, you know what, Stephen, brother, you're my man. We stand together. And you know what, Stephen, I'm going to rejoice with you. And you know what, I'm going to rejoice with you, Drake. And I'm going to grab Drake. Come on, bro. And we're going to come around. We're going to have some good church. And we're going to grab Landon. And we're going to grab our pastor. And we're going to have some fun. And we're going to rejoice. And we're going to praise God in the victories. We're going to praise God. Ha! And what the, he has given. The promises that were given to me. The promises that were given to your children. The promises that were given to your church. But I'm not going to stop there. I'm not just going to rejoice with Restoration Apostolic Church. Then I'm going to grab my pastor and we'll say, church, now we go to war with everybody else around in Athens. All these other churches. Churches, we go to war with you. We were at war. We came out victorious. We rejoice with you. Now we go to war with you. And it repeats itself. But we don't stop. We'll stop there. Next, we move on to our region. Then we move on to the state of Georgia. But that's not enough. I can't just rejoice with the state of Georgia. I got to have a vision. I got to have perspective and know that it's not about Georgia. It's not about Rack. It's not about Joe. It's not about Pastor Walden. It's about winning these lost souls that are weeping and crying and they're hurting. And it spills out into our nation. And our nation rejoices, but that's not enough. There's bondage around the world. There's depression, there's hurt, there's negativity. There are spirits that are hindering other nations from rejoicing and receiving what I've got. So I push forward and I go to war with these other nations and I rejoice with him 
and then I push and I go to war with everybody else from this world because my goal is not to save Restoration Apostolic Church. My goal is not to save the lost souls of Athens. My, life, my goal is to ensure that I can get as many people into heaven as I can. I am going to tell as many people as I can about the goodness of the Lord. And you know what, church? It gets hard. It gets difficult. Mom, you can come. I'm almost done. It gets hard. It gets difficult. But I'm going to plead the blood. Church, I plead the blood over our church. I plead the blood over my family. Devil, you can't have it. You can't have my family. You can't have my friends. You can't have my church. Oh, we're going to go to war. It's not enough. It's not enough for me to go to war in Athens. It's not enough for me to show up on Wednesday and Sunday. It's not enough for me to show up to Monday night prayer. It's not enough. This is at home. You plead the blood at home. You plead the blood at work. You plead the blood at the grocery store. It don't matter who's looking at you. It don't matter who's judging you. They don't know. They don't know what the Lord has done for you, Sister Sade. They don't know what God's done for you, Sister Bibby. They don't know what God has done for you, Drake. They don't know what God has done for you, Shelby. They don't know what God brought me from. They don't know the darkness that God brought me from. It's not enough. Y'all can come to the front. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to let God do what he wants to do. But church, I just want to know one simple thing. Who's going to war with me? Who's ready to go to war? Who's ready to go to war with the enemy? <laughs> I may be tired. I may be hurting. But I'm going to war. But who's going with me?